Where does yesterday's future, which is already here, ready here, ready here, ready here, meet today's future, which is about to happen, and tomorrow's future, which could be just minutes away? Welcome to Technology Revolution, the future of now. Where host Bonnie D. Graham asks savvy futurists for their predictions about the tech-driven trends that are shaping our future right now. Here's your host who will take us into the future of now, Bonnie D. Graham. Thank you, Mr. Ryan Treasure, for that wonderful announcement. I never remember whether I say the future is to the right. I'm just going to say there's the future. I'm just throwing my hands up. There you go. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Times nine. This is week four of my annual special. We're calling this the Crystal Ball Prediction Special 2023. Yes, yes, yes. I have some wonderful guests. This is a potpourri of people who've been on different shows of mine during the year. I just send out an invitation to several hundred people and whoever accepts gets a spot. It's that much fun. So you're going to hear predictions from some tech people, from some education people, from some, oh, I don't know, some from some patent holder people, from some publishing people. It's a real potpourri and we're just going to have a lot of fun. Everybody's going to be speaking as a very well-behaved panel, three and a half minutes on the clock. And I'm empowering Andrew, my engineer, to set a clock every time somebody starts to speak. Let me start with my usual. I have four buzz quotes that are from movies. I think you'll enjoy these. This will set us up for what we're going to do today. So number one, I have a quote from Margot Channing. Well, this movie was before I think almost all of you were born. I'm, yeah, looking around. Eddie, I'm not so, no, I think so too. Yeah. This is from 1950. The movie was all about Eve and the wonderful Betty Davis played Margot Channing. Here's the quote, fasten your seatbelt. It's going to be a bumpy night. When you're doing predictions, it very well could be. Then I have a quote from Yoda. I'm not going to attempt. Well, I'll try Yoda. Voiced by Frank Oz, of course, in Star Wars, The Empire Strikes Back, 1980. A little more current, but 43 years ago? Was it really? I can't believe it. Do or do not. There is no try. That's one of my favorite quotes in life. Then I have a quote from Marty McFly, played by the wonderful Michael J. Fox. He's still wonderful. Back to the future. We're moving up to 1985 sci-fi film. I guess you guys aren't ready for that yet, but your kids are gonna love it. There you go. That's a good predictions quote. And one more. This is from Patricia, played by Meg Ryan. Joe versus the Volcano. Did anybody here ever see that movie? I never did. Yeah. Wendy saw it. Eric saw it. Okay, that's good. 1990, we're getting current American romantic comedy film. Joe, nobody knows anything. We'll take this leap into the volcano and we'll see. We'll jump and we'll see. That's life. I love that quote. So if you're talking to our audience on LinkedIn, on Voice America Business, on Facebook, if you're hoping to gaze into a crystal ball to see what this new year holds, we've got the next best thing. Today is January 11th. Already? Yes! 2023. And I'm welcoming guests from many of my shows during last year. In total on my special, which is six weeks long, this is week four, you'll hear predictions from nearly 60, six zero thought leaders, futurists, covering the technologies, the strategies, the trends that can help your business, your industry, your career, your community, your family, you and the world thrive this year and beyond. So mark your calendar. Next year is week five. Next week is week five. I'm jumping ahead. So here, pour a cup of Joe or a mug of Earl, however you like your tea and your coffee, pour a glass of Jack, or if you have any leftover Dom, take a celebratory flute and pour a little bit in there, see how many bubbles are left, and join me for the future of now, Crystal Ball Predictions 2023, week four. Let me tell you who my guests are. I'm going to do a very brief bio. They are all so accomplished and so intelligent and have such wonderfully storied 
careers and great expertise. It would take me a half hour to read each bio. So I'm going to give you a little one sentence bio for each of you. So Ryan Walsh, wave hello. Ryan is the CEO and founder of Valkyrie, V-A-L-Q-A-R-I, a drone vertiport company. His career began in the 75th Ranger Regiment, where he deployed several times to Iraq and Afghanistan. Ryan, as always, thank you for your service. Ryan is the lead inventor on only 28 granted drone delivery patents. Ryan Walsh, welcome back. Kelly's eyebrows are raising. What? 28 patents? Yes. And we're doing a show on patents in a couple weeks. We have Wolfgang Epting with us. Wolfgang, wave hello. He's a solution advisor, chief expert, and data enthusiast for Platinum Platform and Technologies, Middle and Eastern Europe at SAP. That's a big business card, Mr. Epting. I appreciate that. That's a lot of title. As a data enthusiast, he helps organizations implement business outcome data-driven strategies. He is an 18-time Ironman triathlon finisher. Wow. Everybody say, wow, Wolfgang, and you're here. We're very honored. We have Pat Daly with us. Pat is the CEO of Boundary Layer, Inc., improving human performance in high-risk endeavors. He's a polymath. He's a serial entrepreneur. He's a gamer. He's the author of a near-future science fiction novel called Spark, S-P-A-R-K. And he worked at NASA's Johnson Space Center on the Space Shuttle and International Space Station programs. Pat, welcome. That's very exciting. Then we have Taylor Scott. Taylor, wave hello. Taylor is the founder and chief technology officer of ICAN, I-K-I-N, all in caps, no periods, creating holographic hologram solutions. We did a show on that recently. For consumer and industrial applications, his background includes biochemical engineering, organic chemistry, holographic technology, electronics engineering, and AI. My goodness, he's participated in iconic, iconic holography stage events. Taylor, welcome. Happy to have you. Then we have Kelly. Kelly, pronounce your last name for me, dear. Kirk Shu. Kirk Shu. And the last part after Kirk is XU, and I never remember how to say that. Thank you. Her company is Money Masters, Inc. She's a partner and VP of curriculum and content creation. She calls herself the teacher she wished she had as a kid. She worked in Shanghai, China when we did the countdown. I think that was in Chinese. And as an actress and an educator, she is now co-producing an animated online series called Walter the Vault, teaching financial literacy classes to help kids understand money. Next, we have Eric Simone. And Eric is the founder and CEO of Clearblade Inc. Eric is an that's an intelligent asset software company giving business and operations team the power to leverage IoT, Internet of Things, edge computing, artificial intelligence without needing software development skills. You're putting old programmers like me out of business there, Eric. Eric was the founder and CEO of Compete Incorporated, an enterprise system integrator that he sold to Proficient PRFT in May 2000. Welcome, Eric. Always so nice to have Eric. It's a big promoter of my shows on the internet, and I appreciate that. Wendy Rentschler is here. Wendy, wave hello. Wendy develops and implements BMC Software's global corporate citizenship through diversity, education, and inclusion programs, BMC Cares, which is philanthropy and volunteer volunteerism, sustainability, and ESG initiatives. She's a founding member of Hacking HR's Expert Council. I see I froze on the screen. I'll be back. And an HR tech sustainability startup mentor. Wendy, happy to have you. Then we have Ben Trushka. Ben is with us in the car in California, taking his lovely children to school in the middle of the storms. He's a first-generation immigrant from Moldova. Moldova. He has worked for MindPath Health, supported the electronic healthcare system at the Adventist Health Informatics Department, and he's now a loan officer in Sacramento. He was a guest on a recent series I did on the future of divorced dads and online dating apps. Very, very interesting. Ben, welcome and say hello to your 
children, your teens in the car, I see them. And then we have Ed Vincent. Ed is a frequent guest on my show. Ed is the publisher and co-owner of Encircle, E-N-C-I-R-C-L-E Publications, and owner of ENC Graphic Services. He helps authors self-publish. Huge industry. He's the president of Independent Publishers of New England, IPNE.org, and he's a frequent guest on my show. I want you all to give each other a round of applause because this is an amazingly talented and well, expertise is just off the charts, and I'm glad we have so many different disciplines here. Let's get started. Ryan Walsh, I'm putting you on speaker view. Three and a half minutes. What do you see in the crystal ball from the drone world or else other worlds? Ryan, go ahead. So we've seen quite a bit, especially in the last three to four months in the drone uh, industry. Um, a lot of the big companies, uh, Google Wing, um, Walmart, uh, Amazon, they've all expanded their territory pretty significantly. Um, I believe Walmart just announced they did uh, 6,000 deliveries. So we're seeing uh, very large players really start to uh, dive in, put a lot of money, put a lot of resources and effort into drone delivery. And so uh, while it's probably taken a lot longer than many people thought when Amazon announced it in 2013, um, we are starting to see that move to where it's starting to hit mainstream. Uh, I believe it's active in nine states now. Uh, so we're we're getting closer and closer. I think that the the northern states are going to see it a little bit later than the southern states where the weather's nicer and a little bit better for drone flights. Um, but it's happening and it's happening fast. And over the next two to three years, uh, we're really going to see a, a rapid shift and uh, a big paradigm uh, movement in last mile logistics, uh, primarily based around drones. So um, we're we're really excited at Valkyrie at what that means. And uh, a lot of people in the industry see this as the dawn of something really, uh, really great. Um, you know, you'll start seeing deliveries happen uh, within 30 minutes or less, uh, whether it's food, whether that's, uh, you know, last minute parcels, you lost your charger, um, you know, pharmacy. <laughs> it's really starting to uh, become something that people are uh sign up for and, and get. And so I think as people's uh, expectations as far as costs uh, go, you know, go lower, um, time expectations go lower. Um, it's only a matter of time before all the major companies need to start looking at these solutions to stay competitive. So we are right at the dawn of a really big movement in drones. Thank you very much. Tell me something. I, I was approached recently by somebody telling me drones are being used to clean buildings. They're being used in, in corporate and enterprise big uh, applications for external cleaning. Ryan, can you talk about that for a minute? Yeah, there's a couple of companies out there that have some really innovative platforms. Um, it's effectively a power washer attached to the bottom of a drone. And uh, instead of sending a couple of people up the side of the building on one of those scaffolds, you you just send the drone and it sprays it down with uh, the soap and then comes back and sprays it down with the water. Um, and so you don't have people uh, in danger or lives at risk anymore. We're even seeing that in cell phone inspection where um, the towers used to have to have somebody climb all the way to the top and do a whole scan of it, make sure there were no cracks, and they would have to budget in a few deaths a year, which, you know, was terrible. Um, and now that they're using drones, um, you know, they don't have to have people potentially slip and fall and have those, you know, handful of deaths every year. So it's, it's really making a, a safer work environment for a lot of people. 
Thank you very much. I, I shuddered. I think everybody else did when you said budget in a few deaths a year. I, I just, yeah, everybody thinking, seriously, we've never heard it quite that way. And one more question on the drone show we did last year or the year before with you and your, your colleagues in the drone industry, Ryan. Somebody talked about delivery of food at sports games, at stadiums, where there was a locker, you could order your burger and your fries, and a drone would deliver it to a central spot, and somebody would run it over to the kiosk next to you when you had a key, a virtual key, and you could, is that still being done? Yeah, that was actually us. Um, so we partnered with Levy Group, uh, Levy Restaurants and Compass Group, um, and we've been developing that system uh, over the last year or so. Um, we did a demonstration and debut at Purdue University, and we're looking to ramp that up uh, pretty soon. <laughs> Eric, Eric is cheering. Eric, you got a Purdue banner there? No, no, yeah, that's Purdue. fine. Thank you. <laughs> thank you very much. Ryan, thank you for that. It's, it's an exciting world of drones. Thank you. Let's move on to Wolfgang Epting at SAP. Wolfgang, you're on Speaker View. Regale us with your predictions. Go ahead. Yeah, Bernie, do you remember one of our last shows with the title AI and Data Governance, Friends yep. or Foes? Yep. Yeah, Maria, we are, Christine Legner, you and I, we talked about this exciting topic. And my quote was Forrest Gump, where Tom Hanks is saying, my mama always said life was like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. And the reason I choose this quote as a metaphor for arti artificial intelligence so what I see is that um, AI is increasingly influencing our entire lives as employees, individuals, athletes, parents, citizens, and so on. But um, very often we feel a bit like Forrest Gump. So my first prediction is that the issue of ethics will become increasingly important. And I mean not only AI ethics, but also data ethics. We will have to take care of using unbiased and evenly distributed data to train our models. So the topic of data ethics, in my mind, goes far beyond compliance with legal regulations. It's about acting morally with data exclusively for the benefit of people and not to make short-term profit from data. So I would say Forrest Gump 2.0 will come back into the cinemas and Tom Hanks will say, my mama always said life was like artificial intelligence. You always know why you get what you're going to get. <laughs> <laughs> Pat, Wolfgang, that was, that was really good. Go ahead, finish more predictions. Go ahead. You've got us all giggling here. You're up. Go ahead. Yeah, this is uh, closely related to my second. So real innovation will come from um, digital or data ecosystem. So new value will be added when companies, organizations, science, public, and so on, they will share the data with uh, another to build new business models. Let me give you an example, maybe. We all have around about 50 apps on our smartphones, some more, some less. So what do you think, how many of these do you need if you plan and conduct a three-day business or private trip, including car, train, aircraft, parking, hotel, dining? Is this connected? Is this integrated? So I think we will start by thinking from the consumer and the customer point of view. And let me call this a digital society, which is built on, on data. And my last one, of course, as a data enthusiast is again about data, but this time it's more on a, on a microeconomical level. So we will see completely new paradigms in the provisioning of analytical data. So we will treat data like products in 
as in the real economy and we will move away from a centralized to a decentralized approach so we have teams decentralized teams with the proper domain knowledge and they create publish and market their data products independently end to end and if we call this data mesh or something something else i think this is a movement that can no longer be stopped because it addresses and eliminates the real world weaknesses and challenges and bottlenecks that we have at the moment in the data provisioning that's it back to you thank you very much that was very interesting the question of ethics and the use of data and the algorithms that we're teaching with the machine learning and the artificial intelligence who is the one who inputs that data? We might talk later about ChatGPT, which I've used, and I was telling some of you about it before the show. And the question is, who who decides what data goes in there? And who decides how the queries? Somebody put that database together. Somebody or some, there was a person at the origination point. What were they thinking? What were they feeling? Who are they? What were their, their specific prejudices, their background, their likes and dislikes? So we're all, it's it's an algorithm world, I think. And the we question is- We need to have an episode around algorithmic bias, Bonnie. I think, I think we do. All right, you can all volunteer for that one. I want to get at least four of you together. That's it. I'm scheduling for March. Thank you, Wendy. Let's go. Thank you very much, Wolfgang. Very interesting. And I love the, my mom always said life is like, box of artificial intelligence. <laughs> I, I challenge anybody else on the panel to top that one today. You're all wonderful, but let's see. Wolfgang, you're up there. Okay, let's go to Pat Daly. Pat, welcome. So happy to have you here. Please regale us with your predictions. Go ahead. Happy to be back. Happy to be back. Uh, got, got some short-term and longer-term predictions. Uh, short-term prediction is that this year, 2023, we will see hydrogen-powered commercial scale flight. And by that, I mean, you know, there, we've had hydrogen powered flight for, for quite a while on drone type scales, but I think we will actually see passenger capable aircraft flying on hydrogen this year. And there's, there's a couple of big projects that are out there that I think are going to bear fruit this year. And of course, everybody, you know, when it comes to green energy, everybody's excited about hydrogen because, hey, when you, when you use hydrogen, the exhaust is water, which is plentiful, but it's a good and bad thing, right? Because you, the only way, the only practical way to generate hydrogen is to uh, do electrolysis of water to create both hydrogen and oxygen. Uh, so there's always some losses. So I think this couples up with another green technology, uh, solar power, active solar, which I mean I've, I've blogged and I've written about it in uh, in my books. Uh, and I think we can use that to generate the hydrogen uh, because the big benefit of hydrogen is that it's portable and you don't need thousands of miles of conductor strung between generation point and usage point in order to, uh, uh, to get the benefit of the power. You can put it in a truck, put it in a pipeline and away you go. Um, the farther term prediction is that I think we're going to see a, a resurgence of nuclear power plants. I mean, everybody goes, oh, no, 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 no. But, but hey, nuke, nuke is way cleaner than coal. And it's a technology we understand now and can deploy now. And as much as I love green energy, uh, solar, wind, and uh, hydrogen, it's just not yet enough. And I don't think it'll be enough in the foreseeable future. So we're going to have to uh, rely on traditional methods. And I think, I think one of the best is uh, 
is nuke power. And, and I think AI is going to play in all of these. And that's probably another, another uh, topic. But yeah, so that's, that's kind of it for me. Well, thank you very much. I want you to just expand just a minute. You have a little more time on your clock there. I'm not keeping a clock, but metaphorically. Pat, what do you mean with AI will plan all these? Add, add, entice us a little bit. What do you say? Oh, we're already at, you know, you talked about chat GPT. That's about a level three and a half AI right now. Mm-hmm. And I think we will fairly quickly, maybe this year, maybe even next, we'll get to a level four uh, AI. And, mm-hmm. and to replicate a human being, you're going to need a level five. And I don't think that is on the near-term horizon, but probably before the end of this decade, we'll see this. And then, of course, the next level up is Skynet, and we will all die anyway. So it's... it's. <laughs> I, I, I saw a couple of not-so-reluctant grimaces on the panel. Um, I will tell you that, I don't know about all of you, but I'm, well, I'm in Loudoun, Tennessee now. I just moved uh, 109 days ago. I'm keeping track. And we had rolling blackouts over the just the day of Christmas Day after, and nobody was expecting them. Apparently, they were told us in some newsletters and on the newspaper, but who reads that stuff during Christmas? And um, it, it was a new concept for me, but they were trying to conserve the power in the grid by not having major blackouts by doing rolling. So all of a sudden at 9.30 the day before Christmas, the house shuts down. I mean, everything's just click and gone. Everything shuts off. Now, nobody brought up, we're, we're a big next door community. I try to avoid it, but it's like watching a train wreck. Sorry. Uh, it's, it's awful. Anyway, unregulated chat is like, who are you people? Stop. Anyway, um, nobody talked about the fact of what it does to your computer system. If, if you don't have a backup, you don't have a UPS, your computer just shut down and I'm coming in and in my office, I've got all my broadcast stuff. Anyway, it was in, and it went again later that day. And then once the next day and on the local news last night, they said we might be getting another. So people are debating on our next door community, Pat, about what kind of, uh, how we can not have to have rolling blackouts. And somebody said, oh, green energy, green power, it'll be great. And somebody said, you're out of your mind if you think that's going to save us. So Pat, what do you think? Oh, I agree. I agree. Uh, unfortunately, with that uh, internet troll, I, I don't think green power is going to save us. Uh, certainly not in the short term, uh, because there's just not enough capacity or enough efficiency in the system yet. Even even when we're talking about hydrogen, it's readily available, but everybody remembers the Hindenburg, right? They saw those that film during, during uh, elementary school and hydrogen really, really, really flammable. Uh, so it's unlikely that your neighborhood, Bonnie, is going to have a big hydrogen storage tank. And then the most efficient way of generating uh, hydrogen power through a proton exchange membrane is uh, creates DC power. So then you have to add other systems to get it into um, generally accessible home systems, which consume AC power. So it's going to be a while. And that's why I think we're going to end up going back to nukes. Thank you very much. Very interesting. Let's go on. Our next guest is Taylor Scott. Welcome, Taylor. And a shout out to your PR person, Tracy Venters, and John Stafford, who behind the scenes got you to me for a show a couple months ago. Taylor, you're up. What are your predictions? Um, well, I'd say I don't need a crystal ball for the first one um, that we discussed on the show previously. So we're finally we're excited to be launching the, the uh, open space hologram for mobile devices. 
So for people that don't like the clunky goggles or headset-based uh, digestion of the metaverse, they'll be able to just plug it into their Android phone and be able to immediately project it in space and volume as well as spatially. So really, really cool stuff, as well as being able to do everything from FaceTiming to recording, things like that, um, all with the mobile phone, as well as uh, one of our very unique uh, recording and scanning platforms. One of the really cool things that I, I think a lot of people are sleeping on now that uh, is emerging pretty fast. We just had a press release on some of the patents that we filed recently at ICANN on uh, neural radiance fields. And I think a lot of people don't realize that currently the new version of what will replace 4K streaming has already kind of been created. What we're doing now is, is you're going to be seeing a lot of really unique ways of capturing data in completely different ways. So you think about like, 8i, all those companies that take a bunch of high-speed cameras and try to record, you know, people dancing, you see it all over the internet. Um, that is now going to be in the palm of your hand, uh, just with any phone that you have, the ability to do the exact same types of systems, even with just two cameras at the same time. Um, a lot of research has been done in previous years, and I think a lot of people don't realize the massive progress has been made. And we at our side have dedicated a huge team of, uh, of like very bright minds to a unique version of this that we're going to be able to do. So one, we're creating a different way of digesting the metaverse, and we're creating a different type of content uh, you know, capture device. Uh, and capture system. Uh, CES was a good example, um, and the constant conversation kept occurring of uh, the word metaverse was said more times than I think I've said the in my entire life. And then anytime <laughs> you ask the question, well, what are you guys showing? Like, remember back in the day, CES, like they unveiled crazy new things every time, and they were just like, the metaverse. And there was nothing. <laughs> Every single time it was a different headset or it was a different like lenticular lens or it was a different thing. And so what we're really passionate about, and you're definitely going to see it in 2023, is some people will always want to digest their metaverse, their personal metaverse in VR. They love it. Like some people were just waiting for VR. Other people hate VR. Other people are going to want the XR lenses that certain people have, like the Magic Leap style or the hollow lens type things. Certain people just hate having things on their head, so they're going to want ours, the, the open spatial projections. Or they're going to want AR with the phones. And the I think 2023 is going to be an exciting time where we sort of democratize the definition of metaverse. It No one person, no one definition can be put on how you experience the metaverse. And that comes both with how do you capture your environment and make your own metaverse, which is what we're doing with our scanning methodology, as well as what do you want to experience in it and how do you want to experience it. 2022, 2021, it was a big topic. Everybody's focusing on it and uh, it definitely had some has some kinks to work out. But I think 23 is going to be a really exciting year for it actually being usable and enjoyable. Thank you very much. For those of us who have to wear glasses when we wear our VR headset, plus having this 25-pound thing on your head with the glasses insert, trying to move your glasses and try to hold the thing on your head and forget about a hairdo. I mean, really, luckily, it looks like this all the time. But the point is, it, I haven't used my VR headset probably, Taylor, in about three months since I moved here. I used it once for a meditation app when I was in the middle of moving. It's like, oh, my God, I better relax. Let's go to meditation in the metaverse. And I did, and it was fine. Taylor, what do you want to say? My favorite thing, one of the innovations that I saw at CES, and uh, not, to, you know, I'm not a basher. I, I'm a, I love all innovative technologies, but it was a like a tunnel you put on your mouth with the VR headset, so you could be out in public and ha be yelling into it, and it had a Bluetooth sensor, so nobody could read your lips while you were in a VR conversation. <laughs> 
And so you had people walking around that looked like those robots from the Matrix, right? Right before the robots took over with these giant headsets here and here. So it's like people are building on this this ideology. And my thing is, is eventually you'll reach a point where I mean, certain people will absolutely love those headsets, and they're just they're just going to get comparatively smaller. They're going to get more efficient. The power management is going to be there, and so we will get there in time. But having multiple ways of digesting, especially from education standpoint, for mm -hmm. us, thinking about our system sensitizing it to the retinas so that it actually pulls your focus rather than forcing you to focus on something for education purposes will improve ADHD and a lot of the attention deficit issues that are occurring and being able to put inside of this transparent projection system is really important to us. And again, as, as we all evolve in our technologies, I think it's going to create some really cool things in 23 and 24. Thank you very much. You just got Kelly's attention. Kelly, you are up next. How, what an interesting segue just happened to happen. Thank you. Thank you very much, Taylor. Kelly, go ahead. Right. That's so perfect. I did get excited. Okay, wait. But first I want to say thank you, Bonnie. Um, thanks so much for having such like a high quality show and inviting us. It's like such a compliment. And also I want to say thank you to our audience. Everybody in the audience, make some noise. What's up? <laughs> I can't hear you. <laughs> Just kidding. I was going to make the joke. Oh, I guess my neighbors aren't listening. Um, but give a like or, uh, you know, a, a cheesy post. Okay. Let me jump into my comment, my things. Okay. So also, I thought it was two and a half minutes, but I talk really fast. So I'll try to speak slow and it'll take three and a half. Okay. So here are my predictions. Okay. So over the past decade or so, education as a topic is not selling. I don't know if you've noticed, like, all the media and songs are just, like, mush. I mean, for the most part. Like, nothing is educational at all. And I spoke about that in my last time on here. And now, episode two, I think it's all going to change soon, seriously. And specifically, I know for, like, a fact, like, I feel like I'm a mind reader of the future, financial education is going to have a boom in popularity. And it's because so many people right now are feeling the economy crashing down brutally, out of control. The mainstream media is giving us one thing. The retail investors are figuring out another thing. And we are so strong. And I just think it makes everyone look back at their childhood and go, dang, I wish I'd put more time into learning about financial education as a kid. And now people my age and older are going to prioritize this for their kids. So... As a kid, I loved multitasking and my parents brainwashed me. I was only ever allowed to watch or learn or read or do anything educational, which I really loved because I was like, wait, this is so cool because I'm being entertained and learning. So when I was young, my favorite CD was Schoolhouse Rock, Multiplication Rock. And I listened to it before bed every night because it was just so beautiful and I was learning. And then I became the most bad A of all time at math. I know my multiplication table like crazy. Now I'm a math tutor on the side. I got a perfect score in my math exam. And it's because these songs were so catchy. For example, they'd go like three times six is 18. Three times five is 15. Three times four is 12. And three times three is nine. And three times two is six. And three times one. And then the kids go three. And he's like, it's a magic number. And it's so catchy. And I know it to this day. And I know every song. And now I'm so good at math. So this is where my favorite thing I've ever found in my whole life, Walter the Vault, comes in. Because Walter the Vault, if you don't know, he's friendly, he's nice, he's filled with rhymes and financial advice. So imagine all these kids growing up listening to Walter the Vault financial songs and then becoming like brainwashed into being good financially. Hmm, you don't know what one of their songs are? Okay, I'll sing you a small bit. This is from Walter the Vault. And just listen to these lyrics, okay? We need to make some choices. 
about how to spend your money before you spend it. You must choose exactly how much cash to use. Because once you spend it in a store, the money's not yours anymore. Okay, go on YouTube and find it. It's a duet, Choices by Walter the Vault. And that is just the beginning. I wrote a script and I'm going off it now. I cannot believe how incredible Walter the Vault is. And I'm serious. It's like the team, it's only four of us. And I only joined two years ago, but they have so much content, so many books, so many amazing poems, so many amazing songs. And I met them and I said, let's get it all going. So we're making our YouTube channel. We're publishing these books and we're making these songs. We're, we're trying to incorporate um, Taylor, A-I-A-R-V-R, because I've taught in China. I've seen how good interactive tutoring on apps can be. And I know we can do it. And I know we can do it. So I'm hundred percent full speed ahead, making this happen. And we have no budget. It's literally us funding it. It's four of us. And it is going to be a household name any day now. Kelly, thank you so much. I have to break the news to all the panel that Kelly was part of a show with five guests and my friend Karen Tenenbaum, who I've known in New York for years. Her parents are dance teachers and I was a ballroom dancer. I took some lessons from them. Uh, Karen Tenenbaum is a, uh, a tax attorney on Long Island and she goes to every event that has anything to do with finance in New York. I, I don't know how she does it, but she does 20, 20 days a week. My point is that I, I'm going to shock and amaze all of you who've been on Technology Revolution with me this year. The show I did on financial excellence, financial literacy for children, raising kids financial IQ was the most listened to show I did in all of 22 by multiples. I'm not kidding you. We had 8,000 listeners to that show in the first couple of weeks. Seriously. More than holograms, more than drones, more than AI, more than publishing, more, more than divorced dads and apps, more than software. We, it, it was as though the world was waiting. Either that or Kelly went out and sang Wait, everywhere can, around the world. Kelly, go ahead. Can I say one more thing? Okay, this yeah. is like we don't really say it out loud, but I feel like we should. Walter the Vault is 30 years old. And the reason she brought up Karen is because Karen invented it. And then the other day I was telling someone about my dream and how amazing this is. And then he goes, he, he's in Turkey. And he said you know what? I think this is like a plant. And I was like, what do you mean? And he said, a plant, you know, it's not fruitful at first. It may not even survive, but if it is, it will be fruitful for life. And I said, oh my God, well, to the world 30, 30. So I think he's going to be a sycamore tree and live to be a thousand. And I truly <laughs> believe it. I literally feel like I'm holding Mickey Mouse. Thank so. you very much, Kelly. Thank you. And I will tell you that having gone through a mortgage process, buying and selling homes in two different states that both closed on the same exact day. How could I be in two places at one time? Don't even ask. Going through a mortgage process in 2022, I wish I had more financial literacy because it was rife with pitfalls, with issues, with challenges. And I'll give you all a hint. Traditional banks that give mortgages do not like people who are independently employed and are part of the gig economy. They don't buy it. They don't get it. They don't trust you. They don't know where your stuff is coming from. And they keep challenging you over and over. I went through this for months. So anyway, I wish I wish current financial literacy on everybody. Thank you, Kelly. Let's move on. Who have we got next? It is Eric Simone from Clearblade. Eric, hey, regale hey. us. Go ahead. You're up. Bonnie, thanks. Well, and thanks for putting me after Kelly, right? It warms <laughs> my heart to hear Schoolhouse Rock as a Gen Xer. And I'll tell you what, those songs that, that allowed me to learn things like government. I'm just a bill. Yes, I'm only a bill. And I'm sitting here on Capitol Hill. So, one, I went off script just because that was fascinating. So, thank you. 
All right. Go ahead. Three minutes. Back Three to minutes. nerdy technology. Yeah. Uh, look, uh, I'm a I'm on a 15 year quest, right, for the holy grail of IoT. It's getting better every year. I'm going to talk about 10 rapid fire projections, good and bad, and everything in between that I'm seeing from our customers. One, companies will continue to struggle to cobble together IoT solutions based on simplistic, disparate cloud services. The companies that follow the same decade-old playbook are going to continue to struggle, especially at scale. There's good news, though. More companies are finding success, this is number two, at scale by leveraging IoT enterprise foundational software for both cloud and edge. They're finding a better way. I'm seeing this in energy. I'm seeing this in last mile delivery with electric vehicles and drones, Ryan stuff. Um, so that's that's a positive. Number three, another major cloud provider will announce the deprecation of its IoT core in 2023. Shocker, it happened last year. It's gonna happen this year. It's because it's a smart move by these clouds. Their core expertise is in cloud scaling, not in IoT core software. And that's gonna open up the ecosystem to allow others to move in to do this more efficiently while they benefit from the cloud scale and cloud capabilities. Four, bespoke IoT platforms built on these same poorly developed cloud strategies are gonna to continue to disappear. Once upon a time, there were 750 of us now there are way less. It is changing and there's a massive shift going on. Five, more operators frustrated with the failed promises of their own IT departments will deliver their own solutions via a no-code approach to IoT. This is happening now in things like rail and transportation. It's happening in aerospace. It's happening in agriculture. Six, bespoke edge point solutions will give way to consistent, reliable edge foundations. Um, configurable to perform multiple tasks, not just point solutions. We're seeing this in energy today. Uh, these, these systems are opening up and they're doing more than just one task. Seven, closed industrial edge hardware software systems will begin to open up to edge foundations for consistency and interoperability. Legacy closed industrial systems must open up to start to uh, 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 allow themselves to ingest this innovation. Again, we're seeing this in, in energy. Eight, more data analytics, ML and AI software companies like SaaS, who we are working with, will bridge the gap between operational and data scientists. So the folks in the field with the steel toe boots are gonna be closer to the folks behind the glass with uh, their AI models, and you're gonna see rapid uh, innovation by model delivery to the field. We're seeing this already with solar farm arrays. We've done this with SaaS. We're doing some more interesting things. Uh, with that company. Uh, nine, IoT security will become a significant issue as we have more devices come online, more attack services. Bespoke systems that have been cobbled together with too many moving parts will be the most at risk. Um, more money, more problems, more devices, more issues, right? We're going to have that, that happen. Governments are going to step in and start to protect critical infrastructure uh, in a more meaningful way. And 10, finally, Privacy and security will drive edge foundational software adoption. Improving privacy by keeping data resident and protected on devices in your home, in the factory, wherever that data is being generated, only opening that up when you allow it to be opened up. There. Three and a half, did I get it in? 
You you did. That was impressive. Everybody give them, give them come on, a round of applause. Ten predictions. Thanks. That was very, very well done. Everybody's great, but that was it was very, very impressive. The issue of privacy, Eric, seriously, the the barn door is open, the horses are out. Is is there any is there ever going to be any opportunity for us to claim something called privacy that's actually effective anywhere in, in our lifetimes going forward? Just quickly, Eric, because Wendy's it, next. Yeah, so I, I think the barn the, the, the Barn's uh, been open for, for actually since the mid '90s, Bonnie. I don't think it's going to be at that level. I think you're going to be control it a little bit more. But I think that's we're going to give that up, and we have given that up for convenience and, and adoption and, and 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 advancement in technology. So uh, we just have to watch how it's used. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. Great job, Wendy Rentschler. We're ready for you, Wendy. What's going on in the world of inclusion and HR? Talk to us. Y'all, okay, first off, this has been incredible. Like, I have so many things to say about everyone's things that they have shared, and I'm going to reach out to each of you. This is, I am having a hard time focusing on what I actually need to say. So what I'm going to start <laughs> with, though, I'm going to start with, like, a big prediction, um, and it kind of ties into what you mentioned, Bonnie, around, like, the, uh, the impressions of your podcast around, like, financial literacy and what Kelly brought the way that we economically forecast moving forward, I think will change. I was recently in New York with one of my friends who's the editor of Fortune and we were talking and I said, you know, one of the things that I've noticed is we hear a lot in the news and media around like this recession coming and don't get me wrong, in different parts of the world they're coming, but I also believe it is not as severe in some parts of the world as, uh, you know, news analysts are making it out to believe because the way that we live has completely changed. Economic modeling is based on historical data and precedents and um, patterns. And in the last three years, the way we live has completely changed. And so doing a complete mind shift, and you're seeing this now with the hunger around financial literacy, closing you know, generational wealth gaps, and um, you know, micro lending and economic empowerment are really indicative of that. I also believe that we will be getting more people that help along in the economic modeling prediction process. Right now, we have a lot of folks that make these predictions that kind of live in bubbles and really aren't on the ground, on the streets, talking and really seeing the consumer. We saw our largest Black Friday sales. We saw our largest Cyber Monday sales. And all at the same time, we're hearing about like this risk impending recession. And again, like I know it's happened. It is Brexit is going through, you know, UK is going through a lot. China seeing like a downturn. But Overall, in general, the way that we forecast economically um, moving forward, I think is going to change because history has changed the way we live and breathe and just digest our entire lives and consume has changed. And that filters out into a lot of all the other things that we've discussed from like drone delivery to the metaverse and the way that we live in that sense and also in financial literacy as well. Um, The second uh, prediction that I have is, you know, been a long time coming in terms of leadership within organizations. Uh, The working strategist is here and the working strategists are already starting to find themselves in the C-suite. No longer are we going to have executives over the next five to 10 years who really aren't able to functionally do something on an individual contributor level. You can no longer be relevant and be strategic in the world of business anymore if you don't know how things work. I'm looking at Taylor right now. I'm looking at Ryan right now. These two folks are entrepreneurs that they probably know how to make the sausage as well as sell it Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, strategize around it. And you really have to be that type of person. And I know my age range and 
and my husband and myself and our careers, like we are working strategists. We create strategy, but we can also do the work on an individual contributor level. And I think for any organization that wants to be relevant anymore, they need to focus on leaders that can do the same as such because the world of work has completely changed and the, the market has completely changed in our globalized economy. And then the third that you've probably heard a lot about that I'm super excited that finally is getting traction is skills. The skills-based economy is where it's at and skills-based economies really democratize access to jobs and roles. There are so many people that can do the jobs that traditionally required some sort of degree so many of us now have learning on our phones, on demand, and the way we learn and the agility that we learn in the workforce of today has completely changed. And therefore, like what leaders look like, what innovation looks like will also completely change. And organizations that adopt skills as part of their human capital uh, talent strategy will become the organizations that folks desire and want to work at because they will be able to work across many breadths of different uh, modalities or um, professional roles in an organization. And that is what the talent economy work wants. And human capital is 70% of every organization's investment and the ability to keep it, retain it is good for the bottom line. And then also to my fourth prediction, ESG and just a formalized global process will really become the business imperative of our time, which you and I have talked about a couple of times and that's a whole episode. So that's Thank it. you so much. I appreciate that. I remember the day when I was taken aside by the CEO of a of a financial company. I was working. What, what, what were they? Um, was soft, business software? I can't remember. No, it was a, it was a, a correspondent bank, and they said to me, "You're you're a manager, and you're doing too many things hands on, Bonnie. You have to stop. You have to make sure you empower your team of five people to do it all. We don't want you doing this. We don't want you raising the bar for getting effective work done. We don't want you." in the trenches doing this. You have to stop doing and delegate and train people to do it through your, your team. And I was terribly offended because I loved being a doer, a maker, a producer. And now as an independent, I can do whatever I want. But it's interesting, Wendy, I think the, the clock has changed. It's turned around. I, I think that's very, very refreshing that managers, that executives need to be able to know how to make the sausage. I think that's great. Ready for some good sausage and then breakfast. I had my milkshake. Okay, let's go on. Ben in the car. Ben Trishkov, we can't wait. Talk to us. You're up. What do you have? Hi, good morning. Thank you for thanks for having me on. Um, also, what an amazing panel. I'm like listening to everybody and my brain just gets wiped. I'm like slack jawed to just be in the Zoom room with all these people. Like, wow. How incredible. Um, my first prediction, um, I'm at, it's actually um, changed. My first prediction, not for this year, is that Walter the Vault is on track to replace Mickey Mouse. Um, <laughs> once upon a time, we, there was a lot going on for Disney, Disneyland, and Pixar. And I predict that Walter the Vault is going to just outpace all of that. Like... Um, was it was it was a young gal's name? Sorry, I don't have the participants list. Is it Kel Taylor? Taylor Scott and Kelly Kirkshu. Who are you talking about? Uh, the Walter the Vault person. That's Kelly. Oh my gosh, Kelly! Her unique last name is going to be the uh, the Disney Walt Disney. Well, she that will be her name. She's going to replace that character guy. <laughs> uh, so. 
but my predictions for this year, um, I recently read somewhere that we as a society or we as achieved something called um, fusion. And I, in a room full of like energy and technology experts, I'm like the last person to talk about this. But basically, from what I understand, is that there's an amount of energy that gets put into a an atom. And let's just say, let's just call it like one unit of energy. And then it outputs more energy than 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 was put into it. And so what that means is basically like a, a version of infinite energy. And I think from it was like a Carl Sagan thing where when a society gets to the point where energy is no longer an issue or we have plenty plentiful amounts of it that we move from i think it's like a phase 1 society to a phase 2 and it just allows us to propel in more and more in our evolution and being in like the lending space where a lot of what we do it's not particularly complicated it's a lot of like interpersonal stuff it's a lot of things that where we work on ourselves and as i see things like that and as i hear all of the panelists share i see people becoming um going through like a healing process like kind of going a little historical we still have a lot of wounds in our society from things like world war ii other uh, geopolitical etc etc events whatever and even currently we still have a lot of kind of craziness and so a lot of that leaves sort of these ripples in the fabric of who we are as people like we still have some of those effects from world war ii and so what i see is a lot of just human improvement that we're getting better as a species we're getting better as people and as i and and the natural reflex is to resist change or to have it be scary. Like mm-hmm. the first cave person who, who introduced fire into the, you know, they probably burned down a grass hut or two, or they probably had some problems with, with poor ventilation in caves. But over time, technology and things mitigated that and it presented solutions. And so just what I see for this year um, is just sort of a, a, a Internal healing that our society is going to go through. Um, on the t- on the note of um, recession, there's been a lot of again, like in in lending and in mortgage. Like 2008 was like, oh gosh, let's not, you know, oof, that was ugly. And I think we're on the verge of something along the lines of that, but not a 2008. The analogy that I always use is if we like if we go. Every like every recession is going to be 2008. I don't think so. That's like saying every time a boat makes contact with a piece of ice, we're going to have a Titanic. That's not the case. And so I do think that there's going to be um, the economic correction that we're definitely due for. Some of the craziness that we experienced um, in interest rates and in the economy was <laughs> was basically like on credit. And so eventually that bill, that tab has to come due. And so I don't think it's going to be as drastic. I don't think it's going to be as painful. And hearing things like, um, you know, your your episode on financial liter- literacy was the most powerful. Um, I think that's indicative of our society. So I think we are going to ha- have some um, growing pains, but I don't think we're going to be in for the, these like big, like, kind of moments. 
Thank you very much, Ben. We have enough time for Eddie Vincent. Let's talk about publishing. What's happening? Eddie, you're up. Three minutes. Go. Unmute. Unmute, Eddie. You're still muted, hun. Still muted. All there right. we go. That's okay. Sorry about that. Go ahead. Three minutes. Um, That's all I got left. I, okay. I see publishing going in a couple directions. Uh, one is the advent of AI writing where books are going to be written with that technology. And there's a big uproar in the publishing industry about that right now. Uh, that's just now starting. Uh, I also think that what's going to be happening more and more is well-known authors are going to start publishing themselves versus using the big five publishers. So I think in the publishing world, you're going to see a lot more self-publishing authors on a higher level, which is then going to change how things get directed to customers through distribution. Like what's that going to look like? At some point, someone's going to find a way to distribute books for those self-publishing authors. So those are the big things that I see in the publishing world. Um, the world as a whole, <laughs> everything's changing. You know, the <laughs> who's to say? The one other thing I did forget, um, the other big momentum right now for publishing is audiobooks. Audiobooks are everywhere. It's going to be the thing of the future. Thank you very much. And Ed, Eddie, I don't know if you were on the show I did a couple months ago with several, I think it was thriller novelists. It might have been the female thriller novelist group I, I have on the show a couple of times a year. Uh, one of them said that she realized somebody had lifted the entire content of one of her ebooks and published it under their own name somewhere else. Seriously. Yeah. And yeah, that's, piracy is easy. Yeah, it's it's shock and amazement. Who who would want to put that kind of work into a book and have it show up under somebody's name wholesale? And so uh, we talk about we talk about privacy. We talk about piracy. I think there's a couple of letters in there that are different, but that may be something. I want to thank all of you. I have time, just enough time, for you to tell me your favorite holiday drink if you can remember back to Christmas or New Year's. I'm just going to go around the panel here according to how I see you on my screen. Kelly, favorite holiday drink? Unmute everybody, just real fast. Okay, go ahead. I don't drink alcohol but I like Athletica non-alcoholic. Thank you very much. One that like Corona. Bye. Eric, Eric Simone, don't go away. We're going to take pictures yeah. after. Eric, what do you drink? Yeah. Rum with a splash of eggnog and nutmeg. Whoa, count me in. I'll be there. Ryan Walsh. Ryan yes. Walsh, go ahead. Got you around every holiday. There you go. Wendy. <laughs> uh, a dirty chai latte. Thank you. Eddie. Cranberry <laughs> juice and lime. I like that. Wolfgang. Energy drink, of course. <laughs> of course, our Iron Man. There we go. Taylor Scott, what was in your glass? Kompot. Uh, it's an Eastern European drink that tastes like strawberry jam. Ooh, I like that. Benjamin, what were you drinking? Real fast. Neat whiskey. Okay. Pat Daly, what was in your glass? Nice dry Cabernet. All right. I think I had some uh, Southern Comfort eggnog right out of the carton in the morning. I forgot the rum, but I didn't need it. The sugar was the high. I want to thank you all, but we have one thing to say. Thank you to Andrew, our engineer, our very friendly engineer at Voice America. Thank you to all of you. I have been regaled and enjoyed. I've got one minute left, but I have a little homework assignment for all of you right now. And don't go away. We'll take pictures. If people tell you, and I want you all to raise a finger, raise your wagging finger. Everybody put your finger up, second finger, whatever hand you want. And on the count of three, we're going to say no, no, no. If people tell you the future is already here, 
Our answer is one, two, no. three. No, 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 no. 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 Oh, I think we heard a couple of no's in there. That's because that was yesterday's future or the future from five minutes ago or 30 seconds ago. The future we're looking forward to hasn't happened yet. So I want you all to put your energy, put your power, put your personality, put your expertise into let's make it a damn better future. Don't go away. Bye, LinkedIn. Bye, Facebook. Bye, Voice America. Thank you for joining us for Technology Revolution, the future of now. Mark your calendar to join host Bonnie D. Graham every Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel to hear how technology is impacting your future now.